Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey everyone, welcome to Meet Us at Molly's episode 120. It is crossover night. Dun, dun, dun. Whoop, whoop. whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, so we're covering episodes four, 504. Well, let me switch up the order of that. 804, 504, and 704, which is infection parts one, two, and three, because we started off with fire. So as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello. So we survived the crossover. Oh my God. And it was so good. I kind of want to drink hand sanitizer now. Oh my God. Yeah. It was disgusting, but also like so good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was scary. Like, downright scary. Yeah. Okay. Try watching it for the first time. Because I watched it the night before. Try watching it for the first time at, like, 11.45 at night. Like, starting it at 11.45 at night. Okay. Well, that's your own fault. <laughs> um, that, yeah. That's, like, last I year. How... I'll watch it. Yeah. No, I, I know. I know. Um, I'm jealous that you got to watch it ahead of time. I literally did not have time, which, like, I always make time for the screeners, but I needed to sleep so badly. Yeah. Well, and also, had we gotten them earlier, I mean, that would have been different, but it literally, it was, like, that email, like, we finished recording, and that was, like, 10.30 or 11, and then I, like, saw the email while we were still on the phone, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I have to watch. And I would tell myself, I was like, I'm, I'm only going to watch an hour. Bitch, please. Like, <laughs> I was like, nope, I can't do that. And then it was, like, 1.45, and I'm like, well, that was awesome, but I'm dead. Don't you remember last year how the screeners went up, and I didn't have time, and I was like, I can just watch, like, an hour at lunch, and you were like, don't do that. You need to watch it all at once. Did I say that? Yeah. That sounds you, like me. You said but that. But I don't remember that. Yeah, and I was, like, pretty adamant about it because I was like, oh, man, if I watch one hour, I'm going to get in trouble with Bryna. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, I yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So, as always, we like to start with the news. We saved it all for this episode because there's just more stuff to talk about. So, let's jump into that. The first bit of news is from ET Now, and the headline is, Wedding Bells Are Coming to Chicago Fire. Now, when this article came down, it was pre-crossover, so I was over here like, oh my god, please be Cruz and Chloe, and, you know, whatever. I still think it's Cruz and Chloe. I better be Cruz and Chloe. Like, as much as I think everyone wants it to be Stella and Severide, which I would also love that too, I would not complain if it was Stella and Severide, like, I just feel like that's a little rushed for them, and then obviously given what happens in the crossover, like... I have a feeling it's Cruz and Chloe. I almost don't want it to be Stella and Severide. I don't think they're ready. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, as much as I would love for it to be Stella and Severide down the line, like, I think that would almost be rushing it a little too much if it ends up being them. Even though, like, they've kind of been having this back and forth for, like, since season five. So how four seasons? Going into the fourth season? Whatever it is. But, like, I still feel like it'd be rushing it, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So hopefully Chloe just got kind of scared and she's going to come back and be like, oopsies, my bad. I'm going to save my feelings for when we actually talk about it. Because, yeah. like, what the fuck? Right. No, well, we, we will discuss it at length. Trust me. So we also got episode description. So we've got, what, two episodes of Med, one episode of Fire. No, two episodes of Fire. Two we have episodes. two for everything. Oh, cool. Okay, so we, we basically got episode descriptions for episodes five and six of all three shows. So, Brenda, will you start us off with Med, please? Yes. So Med 505 is called Got a Friend in Me. And this is next week's episode. So this, yeah, next week's episode. Um, And basically this description says Dr. Choi and Dr. Marcel don't see eye to eye over the treatment of a patient's chronic pain and rumors start to circulate about Maggie. Dr. Manning works to help a young boy, but her treatment suggestions are challenged by the parents who believe in only using holistic remedies Oh, yeah, did you, you caught the promo last night, right? Did you catch the promo? Mm-hmm. Doesn't she at one point, like, lock herself in a room with the kid? Who? Natalie? Yeah. Is that what happened? I don't remember. I mean, I, mean, I only saw it the one time. I didn't go back and watch the rewatch the promo. No, I didn't either, but I think that I vaguely remember that. Granted, again, I've been fighting off jet lag this whole week, so I don't know if we would be, like, trusting my memory. Yeah, I was, like, half dead. I mean... I'm not like the Dr. Toy and Marcel stuff doesn't surprise me. I'm more curious, I think, about the Maggie stuff. Yeah, I'm curious about the Maggie stuff, but I'm also curious to see how Dr. Choi and Dr. Marcel resolve their differences. Because this is kind of the second coming of Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Halstead, right? And how they didn't quite get along at first. This is like the new version. Interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. See, I was going to say... I don't necessarily think they'll maybe resolve everything. I don't know. Maybe they will. But, like, I I don't know. We'll see. I would hope that they would, seeing as they're both but, grown men and accomplished doctors. But this is Chicago men, so who knows? But that would maybe make sense with, like, the title, Got a Friend in Me. Or maybe Dr. Troy and Dr. Marcel are just going to go watch Toy Story at the end. <laughs> that was what I first thought. But <laughs> you spoke it for me. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I want to talk more about Dr. Marcel later because I have different feelings. I feel like for when I talked about him two days ago, but we'll see. Okay. We'll talk. We'll yeah. discuss. Take us through 506 too. Yes. So 506 is called It's All in the Family. Um, Dr. Manning's actions with a recent patient lead to serious repercussions. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> um, we call that April Wednesday. Dis- right. <laughs> Literally every other Wednesday. Um April and Noah disagree over a patient who was injured after a beating. Dr. Charles is visited by a childhood friend with a surprising revelation. Hmm. Interesting. I'm glad Noah's back and that he wasn't just like a one-time thing. I know. I love Noah. Oh, you weren't there when we discussed Noah because that was Ashley and I. Oh, at one Chicago day? No, at episode two. (gasps) Oh. No, I didn't. I don't think I got that far either because I, I had to listen basically in the mornings when I was getting ready for competition. And so yeah. I would get like 20 minutes in and then that was it. Yeah, but no. Um, but I'm glad he's back and I'm glad that wasn't just like a one-off thing. Yeah. It was so great. So, yeah. I'll be curious to see too about Dr. Charles' like childhood friend. I know. I mean, how many more surprising revelations can Dr. Charles take, right? I mean, his wife just returned and... He reconciled with his mother and 
I don't know. I know. Dr. Charles, this is your life. <laughs> These are your life. This is your choices. Do you know that reference? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm surprised. <laughs> I think that show was I, like early 80s or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I know it more not from that, but just from like pop culture. Okay. Like that's like a thing that like everyone says. Okay. Like we like grew up saying. Like I don't necessarily know it from the show, but like I know it from like just life. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes there are references that land with you that I'm just like, I was not expecting that. Okay, cool. It's more just like, and I think too, just like an internet thing. Like I maybe it was a Tumblr thing back in high school. Like I don't remember exactly where I like learned it, but like in high school, my friends and I said it all the time. Oh, okay. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have descriptions for fire, 805 and 806. 805 is called Buckle Up. Kid must prove herself at the National Firefighter Leadership Conference, while the rest of Firehouse 51 is called to two eerily similar car wrecks. Mouch tries to keep everyone in the firehouse informed by starting a newsletter, but things quickly get out of hand. Cruz also deals with a heartbreak. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna wait to talk about the heartbreak because I could yell for hours about this one. Mouch starting a newsletter is going to be hysterical. Might be the best one since the um the romance novels. What is he gonna Might. do? Just like print it off on the computer and then like pass it out in the main room and be like, here Casey, here Sev, you know, here Gallo. I don't know. Or it could be an email newsletter. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I feel like this is going to be the best mount storyline since the the novels. Oh, the romance novels were good. Yeah. That was such a good one. Never forget. Cruel, okay, the, the whole thing with Cruz, like, I'm kind of mad. Like, when I saw that description, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this man has suffered enough, okay? That is enough. Yeah, save it for later, Gina. Save it for later. But I don't want to. Okay, fine. Save it for later. Fine, fine. I just have a lot of rage. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, 806 is called What Went Wrong. Cruz and Severide suspect foul play when a fire started by an elderly woman turns deadly. Kid, Foster, and Brett create a women's only lounge, and Firehouse 51 celebrates some good news. Okay. All right. Tell me more about this good news. Yes. Like, um, but also me? tell me more about the women's only lounge. But actually, though. And are Cindy Herman and Donna Bowden invited? And Trudy Platt, because they need to be. Oh, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Also, like, Severide and Cruz going all intelligence again. Like, I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I love it. I love I'm it. I'm not surprised. It's the I'm best. not surprised. I know. Severide is so smart. SMRT. So smart. I know. I feel like Severide could like fit in on all three shows. Like they'd be like, hey, we need a doctor. And Severide would be like, I know enough about this to step in and then like save the day. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine Severide and intelligence? That'd be great. I think he would be like a dream detective. He already is a detective, Gina. What are you talking about? No, I know. But I feel like Voight would be like, where has he been all my life? This is amazing. I know. It, he would, it would be really, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it for like later. But yeah, God, I love seeing music, him. They would be like the most reckless pair ever. 
I like really loved that Atwater and Severide scene from last night. Like I did not know I yes! needed that, but I needed that. It was so good. It was so good. All right. We've also got two descriptions for PD, 705 and 706. Bryna, take it away, please. 705 is called Brother's Keeper. And it basically says a murder in a Bulgarian neighborhood results in a challenging investigation when locals won't talk to the police. Ruzik has a clash with a patrol officer, which we saw that in the promo last night. And I'm like, Ruzik, just no. Oh, Ruzik. I know you've been back all of two episodes and you're already causing trouble. Right. Like, what are you doing, bud? (laughs) I know. That's our Ruzik. Mm hmm. I know. (laughs) <laughs> you can't see it, but Brian just did like a thumbs up smile at the camera. Yeah, that's a, that's our boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so then 706 is called False Positive. The shocking murder of young boys affects Halstead. Crawford encourages intelligence to use a new facial recognition software to help identify a suspect, but the plan backfires. Oh my god, the title... I just put two and two together. Son of a bitch. You just now put two and two together? I wasn't paying attention to the title until I just saw this. I mean, I've just been scrolling through the outline for the past few days, filling it in. I just, like, never paid attention to that title. Uh-huh. Is now the time to talk about this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. So, obviously, we all know 706 is supposed to be when Burgess gets the quote-unquote life-altering news. Yeah, although eerily left out of the description, but, you know, whatever. I don't want it to be a Berzik pregnancy. There I said it. And explain why. Because it's going to be Dossie 2.0, and it's just going to end in the PD version of Season 4, Episode 4, and I'm not here for it. I don't know why, but pregnancy storylines irk me to death, and I don't know why. They just do. I think the thing that bothers me the most about the way it's, again, assuming that that is what actually happens and that, like, false, you know, like, that she's actually pregnant, like, assuming that is all true. I think the thing that irks me the most about this is that, like, as glad as I am that like Berzik is like finally happening again and like the crossover happened and I loved all that it's like we get them back for literally an episode or two whatever and like then she's pregnant I like I don't know like it's just not how I pictured them getting back together in my head like I didn't get picture them getting back together because of a baby yeah like they're not coming back together because they want to be back together. They're coming back together because, oh shit, there's a baby involved right. And I mean, that's again our assumption, and you know that they don't decide to be together and then find out she's pregnant. like we that could also happen, and then, okay, fine, I guess. But like, it bothers me that like they essentially get back together for real because of the baby. Unless this is like what they did with Bretonio, where it's a pregnancy scare, but they actually do revisit it. Like, it's a pregnancy scare, and it's not positive, but then they decide, like, yeah, we should be together. Gina, what is the title of this episode? False positive. And how rare are false positives? I don't know. Pretty rare. 
Well, maybe. It's much more rare to get a false positive than it is a false negative. I don't know what the statistics are, but I feel like they say that all the time in movies and things. I just, and I mean, this is going to be the same as with Dawson. Like, I don't think Burgess is going to hate being pregnant, but she's not going to be comfortable. And given, given like the state of things, how Marina has said that, you know, she doesn't think Burgess still feels anything for Adam. Of course she feels a little something, but I don't think she feels as strongly about Adam as Adam will always feel about her. So she's not going to take to it well. But that was also last season, right? Like, Marina has, as far as we know, has, I mean, like, hasn't really commented on that part right now. I thought she said and something so about Chicago I, Day. But not about that specifically. Like, right? Like, Ad, or Patty answered the question, but, like, not Marina. Mm-hmm. Or Patty said, you know, like, Burgess is basically the greatest love of, or, like, the love of Rizek's life. But Marina didn't really say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if, like, especially now knowing what we all know about the crossover and like what happened, like what then compelled Burgess to like do that and like go to Ruzik's place Mm -hmm. after all of this. And I maybe we'll find out in episode five, but like I would love to hear Marina's take on that. And we'll talk about that, I guess later, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll get more into that, but anyway, um, that's all we've got on the news. As always, you guys know the drill. If you see anything, Send it to us, email it, text it, pigeon, whatever. Just, you know how to get it to us. Um, And yeah, without further ado, I think we will move into the episode, shall we? Yes. Episodes, three-hour movie, however you want to phrase it. So literally, and I know you guys had just heard us talking about this, but we finished recording on Monday night, and it was late. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I see. I'm I'm all messed up on my dates. I was on a plane on Monday night. Um, Tuesday night, we finished recording, and it was probably like eleven o'clock my time, maybe like ten or eleven o'clock, and I'm an hour behind Bryna. And Bryna texts me all caps, and she's like, "The screeners are up. It's not even twenty four hours until this crossover, and the screeners are up." So mm-hmm. I was not able to watch ahead of time because jet lag is a bitch. And I absolutely had to sleep and I wasn't able to squeeze it in. You, however, were able to watch the screener. I did. Yes. So you watched it a whole 24 hours earlier. Not even, though. Yeah. Because I started it at 11.45 my time, which meant I finished it at 1.45 in the morning. And uh, (laughs) I, like, texted you. And what did I say? Because it was pretty – I thought it was, like, a pretty good thing. And I was basically like, oh, my God. Hold on. I'm going to find. I meant to have this pulled up earlier. I like woke up um, to the message. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Um, but yeah, and so it's funny. More. Okay, hold on. <laughs> the whole thing is that, I mean, I think we got two different takes in watching it because you watched it straight without yeah. commercials and I watched it with commercials. Right. And so my message basically was like I, that I stayed up till 145 and I was like, it's truly a roller coaster of emotions. Parts made me happy. Parts made me sad. You know, parts made me stressed. But like, I think I think and I literally said this to you, I think it's one of the most satisfying things I've ever watched. Like, huh. I thought it was really good again because I got to watch it without any commercials um, straight through just two hours and three minutes straight through. And I thought it was the one of the most satisfying things I've ever watched. 
So that's funny because I, I mean, I thought it was an excellent crossover, but I don't think it was like one of the best. I don't know what the best would be. We probably need to go back and like plot out all the crossovers and like have that episode. But oh, that's a great episode idea. Yeah, um, I, 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 this one was pretty great. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was fantastic, and I was completely immersed in it. But I, it didn't strike me as like, oh my god, this is one hundred percent hands down the best crossover ever. What I will say is that to me it felt like the first the first hour felt like a true crossover that like I couldn't tell which show I was watching because you know every scene you had oh there's Haley there's Emily there's Natalie and like you know all three shows commingling at all times so the first hour definitely felt like a crossover to me the second and third hour it felt like med and then it felt like PD just with other characters sprinkled in see and I didn't feel that way but I also, and we were just having this discussion before we started recording, but, like, I wonder if it's because, like, Fire didn't, just, like, as a unit, doesn't really, like, didn't really have, there was no purpose to have the Fire kids around in the second and third hours, or at least as much, because, like, what are they going to do besides, like, basically be security and, like, you know, help, like you know, calm crowds or, you know, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't really just have as much of a purpose, except for, like, random characters here and there, like Bowden or Severide or something like that. But, like, Fire as a unit was not needed as much. Right. I mean, Sylvie and Emily were, you know, of course, going everywhere because they were the paramedics. And you had Casey and Sev investigating and, you know, Cruz came in Well, not even point. really Casey as much. Yeah. No, 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 it was more Casey. just Sev. Yep. Yep. Cruz did um, some stuff. But I just... I wonder if that's more of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I thought I hands down, this is my favorite crossover and I think the best one. And I also, like I said, I mean, I text you at one forty-five literally as soon as I stopped watching, I was like, that's the most satisfying thing I've ever watched. We really do need to do a crossover episode, like a top 10 crossover list. Do we have 10 at this point? I, we might be pretty damn close. When I guess if you count the like fire, like the fire PD ones or whatever. Yeah. And like anything with SVU, I think we can probably count up to like 10. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I don't know. But uh, so we didn't break this up by storyline because there's just too many things happening. It's just like a giant tornado of storylines everywhere. So we're just going to go like scene by scene. And so we start off and. Our favorite people, they're tailgating. It's the cutest. I literally would have watched three hours of just them tailgating. But actually, though, like, where's my digital short of, like, just the tailgate? Just the tailgate. No medical problems, just the tailgate. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, I was, like, a fire posted the video of, like, the first couple minutes on their Insta, and literally the only reason I keep watching it over and over is to hear Jay give Kevin shit about the TV, and then Kevin be like, Jay, if I hear one more word about that TV, I swear. Like, it's so funny. It's the best thing. Like, I literally love everything about it. Like, Jay and Casey throwing the football, everyone yelling at Kev, like you said, Stella Ride being all cute. Like, I I love this. But, like, can we break down this friend group, though? Yeah. Like, okay. Because, obviously, Natalie is the only person from med there. So, like, who is Nat so close with that she gets invited, but, like, none of the other med kids? And, like, are the PD kids and the fire kids basically BFFs because it's, like, a lot of them? Like, I, I, I need to break down this friend group. Oh, okay, okay. Let's play this game. Okay, so I'm willing to bet that Jay invited 
Will and Nat, but Will had to work. So Natalie came along. Of course, Upton was going to come because they're partners. Let's see. But like, why does Nat, I mean, like, I feel like at this point in the world, not saying, but like in the universe, why would Nat go if she couldn't bring Philip? Ew. I mean, I get why they didn't have Philip there because, like, who needs Philip there for a crossover? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, in real life, like, Natalie probably wouldn't have gone if Phil. I, I just, I don't know if Jay invited her. But at don't least. forget don't that know. Natalie is still questioning her feelings for Philip, and don't forget she and Jay had a little thing a couple seasons back. But maybe they're still friends. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I wonder. I was like, why is Nat the only med kid here? Okay, so then how do the fire kids come into it? Because. Kevin probably had like a ticket or something and Kevin was there and then I don't know they're all friends I don't know but I'm just gonna guess that Will had to work and Ethan doesn't like football that's my guess well Will definitely had to work because they go to the hospital and Will's there Mm -hmm. yeah and Ethan doesn't like football and Dr. Marcel is too new so he doesn't really have any friends in the hospital yet and Goodwin and Maggie had to work too. That's my theory. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just like I was sitting there and I was like, hmm. Okay. And I just like started plotting it out in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So great. So great. Just adorable. So I would watch that tailgate for hours. Yeah. Hours. Um, I loved when Upton got the tamales and, like, Seb was manning the grill. And so I was like, would you wait? Like, what the hell? And Stella's like, okay, whatever. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, so and also um, Burgess, when, like, the first time she asked about the pregame, and she's like, we're missing the pregame. And he's like, I got it. Burgess, like, you know, come on, I'm working on it. And she's like, okay, but we're missing the pregame. Like, that was so funny. They just, uh, yeah, I, I want to live in that tailgate forever. Just perfect. Ever. Perfect. So perfect. Yeah. So, so good. of course, you can't stay perfect for long because this is Chicago. Um, some guy comes, like, zombie walking through the tailgate and collapses and so Casey is able to spot this because I mean they're just I think their spidey senses are always like on alert and so you know everybody goes rushing in and it turns out that he has necrotizing fasciitis which we don't okay so basically Casey's like well there's blood on his leg what the hell and Natalie like pulls up his pant leg and I mean it's it's kind of gross not kind of it's completely gross and so, yeah, they go to med, mm-hmm. and it's necrotizing fasciitis, which basically means it's flesh-eating bacteria that enters through a break in the skin and then destroys the tissue from there. It's nasty. Yeah, necrotizing fasciitis is gross. So gross. Um, I didn't, like, okay, well, so I had a, not a friend, but, like, a Twitter acquaintance who contracted it a couple years ago. Um, in his hand and like he still has scars like they they were able to stop it but like he has a scar that runs from his finger like all the way up through his wrist so it's bad like really bad yeah I just like I just remember my dad talking about it as like a kid like hearing him like say things like that and I was like and then like actually like learning about it and I was like oh crap yeah it's bad and I think um People in the lakes over here um, in Texas, I mean, they, like they, people would swim in the lakes and like contract it that way and they would die. And it was just, it was bad. 
like ew. Yeah, it's like they it, like they like apparently thrives in like really warm, stagnant water. I I yeah, you're never gonna see me in a lake in like swimming in a lake in Texas voluntarily. No, no. Ew. Oh yeah, big ew, big ew. Yeah, uh, and so. At med, like they all go to med basically, and they skip the game because they're perfect and wonderful, and they're just the best. Um, but they they have no clue who he is, and so Jay is like, "Well, I can't open a case, but I'll try and figure it out." So the next day at the firehouse, because we're bouncing everywhere, we're going for med, we're going to intelligence, we're going to fifty one, and all this is all contained in an episode of Fire, which I like that we're kind of going everywhere. So. Bowden mentions that 51 drew parade duty for Oktoberfest. Okay, wait a second. Uh, who, who has a parade for Oktoberfest? Mm. Yeah, that's not, a, that's, that's not a thing. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I was in Germany this time last week at Oktoberfest. It's a tent. People drink and sing. No parade. I don't know. Like, Who knows? And especially an Oktoberfest parade in, like, the financial district of Chicago down LaSalle. Whatever. I'm not questioning it. It's TV. <laughs> it's TV. <sighs> Whatever. Um, yeah. And so yeah. Uh, Jay, Jay stops by, um, and he just mentions, he's like, I still can't ID the guy from Soldier Field. He's not in the system. He wouldn't be unless he's a criminal. So then we segue, and Chloe stops by. And I can still say Chloe all happily because – Shit has not hit the fan yet. So Chloe stops by 51 and Joe is being so awkward. Uh, Hella awkward. So awkward. I know. Like, yeah. And so Chloe's like, why are you being weird? What the hell is happening here? Like, what the hell's going on? And Mouch and Sylvie just kind of sit there and watch it like a train wreck. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is happening? Um, Yeah. But Cruz just plays it off. Cruz is like, what? No, I'm cool. I'm great. What are you talking about? I'm good. No big. Yeah. So before we can find out what's going on there, Brent and Foster get called to a house where there's basically nothing going on. There's mail like piled up outside and there is a weird smell coming from the indoors. So they go in. Foster kicks down a door, by the way. I think we've got a new door kicking queen amongst us. So but actually, though, we are not worthy of are, the door-kicking queen. Yeah, we are not worthy of the door-kicking queen. And I think we're going to have to like start a running tally between Jay and Kevin and Foster and how many doors get kicked in this season. <laughs> See who wins. Love it. I know. So great. So it turns out that there were two bodies in there, and they both died from the same necrotizing fasciitis. And again, it's so gross because they've been in there basically decaying for days, and so there's like bugs flying around, and it's gross. Just, well, and did you see, though, that, like, the Wolf Entertainment Twitter was basically, like, we use dummies for this. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, those were, like, dummies because they wanted, like, there's obviously only so far you can go with the makeup on actual humans. Yeah. Um, but obviously they can go a little bit further with dummies, and I thought that was really cool. But, yeah, it looked, that one was probably, I think, my, like, the least... Not that any of them are appealing, but that was the one I was like, oh, my God, that's actually, like, really gross. Like, that was my, like, least – or my most disgusting one. Every time I saw the infection, I was like, ah, gross. Like, that's horrible. Ugh. Ugh. So, yeah, they use dummies, which is, like – I'm like, the Wolf Entertainment Twitter, I don't know where they just popped up from, but they've been delivering. Like, I th- – that's the kind of behind-the-scenes content I live for. Well, Wolf Entertainment is new – I mean – 
it's not new as in like a new company, but like they've like rebranded and like they're trying to go a lot more digital and all that stuff. So like it's new. Okay. Okay. Cool. They just, I mean, they've, they've been all up in our tweets and I'm like, hello, you are new. Welcome. But yeah, that's the yeah, kind of behind the scenes great. stuff that I just live for. I'm like, that's how you did this. Cool. But also gross. Very gross. Mm-hmm. So Foster is concerned here because she's like, what the hell? Nat just said that there's like four in a million cases per year. And now we've got three in one week. What the hell? And so Jay's also there. And he mentions that they were able to ID the victim. So the, the victim from Soldier Field, his name is Stuart Anderson. And he's a student at CCU. So we go back to 51. And Nouch and Sylvie... They finally confront Cruz about why he's being so weird. He's going to propose to Chloe. It's so cute. It's so cute, but I can't even, like, get excited about it because of, like, what happens. I know. I know. I know. But also, like, the minute he said that, he was like, I'm going to propose. I was like, oh, my God. Like, they're so I know. I was, like, crying tears of joys. I was, like, definitely Brett because Brett was, like, even with two busted engagements, like, I can't help it. I'm romantic. And I'm, like, same girl. Same. 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 Oh, Brett totally watches The Bachelor, doesn't she? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, Brett's totally part of Bachelor Nation. When it's just funny, too, because, like, I'm wearing my shipping room pod shirt right now, and I'm just like, yeah, I mean, hello, clearly I'm a romantic. Like, I'm wearing my shipping room pod shirt. Like, (laughs) hello. Okay, so, hmm, I'm trying to think now. So, if Brett were watching Bachelor in Paradise, who would she have loved and hated? Would she have liked Blake? No. You don't think? She would have totally been on Team Dylan. Okay. Okay. Team Dylan. They were she, good. Oh, and during, like, The Bachelorette, like, Tyler, like, Team Tyler, 100%. Okay. Yeah, she's total trash for The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. Yeah. hmm That's a perfect match right there. So, <laughs> Burgess rolls up to a gas station, and they have found two more victims. And this this was the gross one to me. So they found two more victims. It's a woman and a baby. And so they get the baby out in the car seat, whatever. We don't see the baby, but we see the woman. And the infection is basically, like, spread around her mouth. It's gross. That was really gross. Really gross. Like, And it wasn't the part of her, like, coming back to life that got me. It was just the infection being around her mouth. See, the part of, like, the image of, like, her coming back to life for a second, that's, like, what's jarring to me. I was like, oh, my God. Just the, like, her, like, for lack of a better phrase, like, seizing and, like, coming, you know, like, coming back into it. Like, that was, like. <laughs> Which, like, given the way we find out that the bacteria is spread, like, how, how, how did she get it around her mouth? If that's, unless it just, like, started somewhere else and then spread there. But. Well, if you have, like, a cut, like, close to your mouth or, like, on the inside of your mouth or whatever. Ugh. Ah. <laughs> Ugh. This whole crossover, the further into the crossover we got, the more paranoid I got when, like, like after the call at the building and the woman comes and hugs Sylvie, I'm like, don't touch her, don't touch her! Like, I was getting so paranoid about, like, human contact. It was bad. Like, bad. Yeah, just bad so over at med nat basically tells jay that the strain of bacteria it's not one that they're familiar with so okay brian take over a little bit from here please okay so basically we go back to 51 
and the outbreak has started to be covered by the news and like Seb is like kind of skeptical about it he's like basically he's like you know the news wants you scared like it's how they boost the ratings um and then the guy from the mayor's office shows up whose name i can't really remember but he's like kind of the worst and he basically shows up to discuss like the parade and how like important the parade is you know blah 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 all this stuff and it's like dude there are a million more pressing matters right now like Mm. shut up yeah time and place dude time and place right like this is not no yeah. Also, I found the so, I found the line from Seb about the news. Like they they made some interesting statements on the news in this crossover. Did you find that? I mean, I didn't like interesting as in like to me it's true. See, that was interesting to me. I guess I guess we'll get into it further when we talk about Mama Garcia's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But so then, Fifty One gets called to this like big fire at CCU site building. And basically, it's, like, in two parts. So there's, like, the basement fire that's happening, and then there's, like, a fire up on the second floor. But my favorite part is, like, everyone that keeps coming out, they're, like, not as focused on the basement thing, but they're focused on, like, the second floor. Mm-hmm. And all they keep saying, like, all these people that keep coming out, they're, like, preserve the second floor, preserve the second floor. And it's, like, because that's not alarming at all. Nope. <laughs> like, when everyone says, like, you know, it's worth a billion dollars, it's worth a billion dollars, like, gotta protect the second floor. And it's, like, okay. Like, I wonder what's up here. Mm-hmm. And so basically, Squad takes the basement. 81 takes the top floor, or second floor. And Squad, like, can't even get their victims out because they're trapped in this room with, like, two thick walls of glass. Yeah, it's that insane. was crazy. That was crazy. It was insane. Like, it, the fact that it took them, like, as soon as they go for the tanks or whatever which they used to like finally break down the glass I like noticed one that was like nitrogen or whatever I'm like what are we doing why are we grabbing nitrogen tanks to like bang into a glass thank you I had that thought too and Seb was like we can use it as a battering ram I was like Seb is the smartest dude on t- on this tv right now like he's the smartest dude in the frame surely he knows that like nitrogen and fire cannot interact well right I was like what are we doing but they ended up getting them out so like i guess it's okay but whatever i thought that was weird um it also, also seems a little weird to me that they had like a billion dollars worth of research in there and it was only protected by those two cl- thick walls of glass okay but that's like a lot but like i would but, like think overkill it would be higher security and like okay but like just because i mean like i feel like a billion dollars, yeah, that's expensive, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily, like, like, why would you need, like, guards outside for something that's, like, a billion dollars? Like, it could just be expensive stuff, not... deadly diseases? Yeah, but what's a security guard gonna do? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know either. I'm just, I, wow. Just, I mean, I, BRT did a lot of shit wrong. Well, and so that's what I was getting ready to say. So basically, Seb notices a sign downstairs that says, like, BRT Health, um, which we didn't mention before, but that's what the guy, the guy, Stephen, or what's his name again? Stuart. Uh, Stuart. Stuart was basically chanting BRT, BRT at the soldier field. And so when Seb notices BRT on the wall, he's like, hmm. He, like, gets his thinking cap on. He's like, hmm, okay. Detective Kelly has arrived. So basically, 
on the second floor, there's like a chemical fire and it's like green and like nasty stuff, like stuff I don't think we've ever seen before. I don't think we've ever seen fire of a different color on fire. I feel like, how can we not have though? Hmm. That's true. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's been eight seasons. Like, no, I know. That's true. But I, I mean, I also wonder how many people were watching last night being like, there's such a thing as green fire. Like, probably. I know. It was cool, though. Um, and like, it was cool. And like, Stella, though, even like catches on fire for a hot second. And I'm like, Stella, don't mess with Stella. I do not need another movie event where Stella gets hurt, please. Yeah, no. Can we not do this again? Nope. She was pretty chill about it, too. Like, the fire just climbs up her shoulder. And then, was it Casey or Seb who was like, nope, got it. Like, we're good. Never mind. She was calm in the more in the moment, but she was not calm after, which we'll get oh, to in a hot sec. No, no. Um, but basically, so the fires that get, both fires get put out, and Seb, like, points out again that, like, maybe Stuart Anderson was trying to lead them to CCU with the whole BRT thing. Um, and then Bowden's like, okay, well, that's a little suspicious. And so he calls for Voight, and yeah. And, like, I said, Stella is, like, freaking out after she comes out. And they go through, like, the decontamination thing, which also, I, like, tweeted this. Even though I knew it was not going to happen, because that's, like, too much of a thing. But, I like, they were having the whole hazmat situation and, like, the decontamination showers. And I was like, where is hazmat Zach in all of this? Oh, that would have been such a perfect moment for him to pop back up. Well, and then the fire account, I, th- I don't have it up, but like the fire account, like quote tweeted it and like was like, yeah, poor one out for hazmat Zach. Like, you know, he just couldn't be there or whatever they said. And I was like, no, poor one out for hazmat Zach. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so Sel is freaking out and Sev calls her, calms her down. And she's like, how are you like not so concerned that this is like not, you know, going to kill you? And he's like, that's not how I'm going to go. And she's like, yeah, you know that for certain? Like, how are you going to go? And he says, like, the best line ever. He's like, an old man in bed with our kids and green kids and you surrounding me. And it's just like, fuck me up. (laughs) I legit cry. I've cried every time I've watched that scene. With our kids and grandkids and you surrounding me. Remember when he told Mouch that, like, he wasn't a guy who was into monogamy, and now he's saying that he's thinking about a future with Stella? I know. I'm just just deceased. Dead. Done. Oh, my God. The character development is amazing. It is the best. The best. Also, he's been, like, boyfriend of the year for, like, these four episodes, and it's it's just... I, I want more of it. It's it's the best. Right. He's truly living up to his words from last season. Oh, my God. He just, he's such a good man. It's so good. So good. It's the best. Yeah. So, basically, back at 51, when shift is over and everyone's leaving, Chloe shows up. And she breaks up with Cruz because she's apparently having second thoughts, like, after they've been together for a year. What the hell, Chloe? But seriously, though, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? This is why we can't have nice things. We were rooting for you, Chloe. Oh, we were so rooting for you. And also, like, to do this now after he just lost his best friend? 
break, what, what, I don't understand. And she's like, I'm having second thoughts. But like now, after a year. Maybe she caught wind that he was going to propose and she got scared. Well, and I can't remember where I read this, but I feel like Derek or maybe it was in one of Joe's interviews. But somebody was talking about the fact that, you know, like Chloe's finally seen, you know, like what it's like to be a firefighter's girlfriend and like, you know, to be scared by like the realities of that. But then if that's the case, then why didn't she break up with him in episode two? Like, why now? But also, like... Okay, right? Like, you know, it would have made more sense in episode two. Yeah, it, I think that's just kind of silly that, like, now she's realizing the stakes are so high. Does she remember how she and Joe met? Yeah. Like, really? But, okay, but at that but at that point, you're not in it for yourself, right? Like, yes, she was in that situation, but she wasn't in that situation feeling the way that she felt about Joe. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, but I just, mm, the whole idea of her just being like, oh, wait a second, a year later and being like, oh, mm, this is dangerous, bye. Yeah. Like, you do you, Chloe, but also, like, bad move. Right. But, like, and I don't know how I'm going to feel, right? Like, I have a feeling they're going to get back together and, like, yay, because I want Cruz to be happy. And if Cruz wants Chloe, then I want Chloe for him. Mm. But, like... How am I ever going to forget this? Right. Right. (sighs) Yeah. And the episode description for episode five does not sound good. Like, Joe has suffered enough, okay? Right. Leave Joe alone. Leave Joe alone. Leave Joe alone. Just stop it. Not cool. Not cool. Nope. 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 Not cool. Not okay. So basically, after that, Jay and Ruzik are going through Stuart's stuff and, like, trying to start connecting him to other victims. And basically, they finally can get into his phone. And now he looks like a suspect because apparently he's been sending these, like, anonymous emails to other people at CCU saying there's going to be, like, an apocalyptic, that is a hard word, (laughs) um, event. And basically, then at Med, like, his, it's like, simultaneously happening so like jay and ruzik are going through Stuart's stuff and then at med his infection is spreading and like he ends up dying before they get a chance to question him because of course he does i love how they did this with the two things happening like at the same time and like going back and forth i love I how they too. yeah i love how they did that also this is kind of where they start to plant the seeds of berzik just start because Basically, Adam takes the phone and he's, oh, yeah. yeah, he's like, I wonder if he's like Burgess and sets the same pin for everything. I'm like, oh, Adam never like forgets anything about her. I love it so much. Oh, so good. So good. So good. But also Burgess, change your passwords. Come on. Right. But also, how does Adam know so that? Then... No, what? That she has the same pin for everything? No, like, how does he know her pin? He doesn't say he knows his pen. She just knows that he she has the same pen for everything. Hmm. Whatever. It's still adorable. <laughs> yeah. So basically then Rojas and Atwater roll up to CCU and they encounter Severide. And again, this is the greatest scene I ever didn't know I needed because Atwater and Sev is like a great combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and Severide's like, yeah, this is arson. And I'm like, well, duh. 
But okay, thanks, Ev. You know if Kelly knows that, then it's damn true. Right. And they basically meet the director of bioscience at CCU, and he's like, yeah, BRT's our largest partner and donor. And it's like, okay. And then, you know, like, we're starting to, like, put together that, like, profit is a thing here. Mm-hmm. Like, they care about money. Let's go. Okay. Cool. So then Jay calls Haley and tells her, he's like, you need to prior, because she's interviewing, um, like people associated with CCU and stuff. And she's, he's like prioritize interviewing Veronica song because she worked at the same time at Stuart Anderson. And you know, they were working a lot of the same shifts. So blah, blah, blah. And so Haley gets there and basically immediately realizes that Veronica's got necrotizing fasciitis and Veronica like immediately collapses into Haley's arms. And it's not good because not only did she collapse from necrotizing fasciitis, but Haley gets Veronica's blood on her. How about that moment when she's standing in the hallway at med and Will is like, okay, stay here. Don't touch anything. And he like runs off and yeah. leaves her in the hallway. Yeah. when it was so interesting too, because something I didn't necessarily think about, but Allison G had brought up a good point in some tweets to us was that like med was really lacking on like the actual good, like protocols for dealing with, this because like if you really were going to deal with this properly you probably shouldn't have left Haley in the hallway like that probably not probably not and I mean we'll get into like the quarantine security and everything but like yeah that I I could see I could I could tell me with zero medical background at all that things were lacking but I wouldn't I, yeah. I guess in that kind of situation like you know protocols go into place that are like you can't really be as thorough as you would normally be right and so, but Haley gets checked out for cuts to make sure there's no possible way for the bacteria to enter. But she, of course, has a small one on her finger. So she gets placed in quarantine while they wait for her culture results. And so basically then the CDC rolls in because thank God it's about some time someone who like actually knew what the fuck was going on, like take over. And as it turns out, the director knows Will from college. From undergrad, too, not even med school. Right, from undergrad. Hmm. Which, of course, got me thinking. I was like, oh, I wonder if he went to undergrad in Chicago, because these are significant things that I totally wonder, whatever. Um, Well, my whole thing is, like, let's just talk about it now. Like, what's the point of them, like, bringing in this, like, kind of flirty director or whatever? Like, is she coming back? I hope not. Is she showing up again? I know. I hope not, but then if not, then why was she even flirting with Will? Right, or, like, what's the point? Like, why not just have her be some random CDC director? hmm Right. Like, I feel like that was a point, or that was there for a reason. Right, and, like, ain't nobody got time for that. Just, right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just, I immediately recognized her. Um, a couple of people, have, somebody, a couple of people asked me today, they were like, did you recognize the CDC girl? Because, like, she looks really familiar. So, her name is Kathleen Monroe. Um, she's been in a bunch of stuff. The only reason I know her is because of Flashpoint. She was in an episode. Um, by the way, if you haven't watched that show, like just go watch it so you know what I'm talking about because I will refer to it all the time. Um, but she's been in a bunch of stuff. So if you look her on, if you look her up on IMDb, you can see all the other things that she's been in. Um, but yeah, they went to college together, and she won't stop flirting with him. So annoying. So basically, and of course, like, Will's going to be her point person for this and, like, work closely with her. 
But what I thought was interesting, though, I mean, I guess I get why, because Will is the person who, like, she knows, so it makes sense. But Perry brought up a good point that, like, there's a noticeable lack of Dr. Choi in this crossover, like, knowing that he specializes in infectious diseases. Yeah, okay, so that's interesting. I forgot that detail. When did we learn that in the pilot? I did, too. I don't remember. Yeah. I forgot it too. I completely forgot that. And a couple of people pointed that out to us saying that his, his expertise is infectious diseases, which that's news to me. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm guessing if it's news to us, then they might've forgotten that detail too, that they planted. Probably. Um, yeah. Or that it was like planted by the med writers and Derek wrote this hour. So Derek didn't know like that kind of thing. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Um, do you want to take over? Sure. So Brett and Foster get a call to South Fairfield Apartments, and they get called to Apartment 12. But then two other sets of paramedics are there, and they're like, no, we got called to 10. And then this other group is like, we got called to 15. And so they all go to the same building, and everybody's got necrotizing fasciitis. Oh, it's so bad. And so now everybody has way more questions than they have possible theories. So the only thing that CDC girl can come up with is like, she's just like, okay, well, we have to treat this building like it's ground zero. And so CDC girl, her name is Dr. Danover, but I'm still just going to call her CDC girl because it's a lot more fun. So they start evacuating residents at the apartment and they basically go to hold all of them at med in quarantine. And so Will meets a firefighter trainee named Dennis who lives there. He offers his help, but Will's just like, sorry, like you got to be a civilian right now. You know, whatever. There's also a crazy old woman named Charlene, and she's, like, supremely paranoid. She's, like, tinfoil hat and government conspiracy type off the wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so she ends up going, but she starts spouting off all the stuff about the CIA by being behind the whole thing. And she's just, you know, Rojas and Dr. Troy are standing there like, uh-huh, okay, mm-hmm, just keep moving. Let's go. Move on. Um, also, isn't that funny that, like... We're four episodes in, and the new people have already crossed over. Like, that never happens in the past. It happened last year with, like, Ritter. Well, like, Annie. and I mean, you know, because well, it was episode two. That's true. We met Ritter in the crossover. Right. But, it took, but, like, Annie. Yeah. I just remember it took, like, something like four seasons before Casey ever crossed over to another show. So. Well, it, it took Ruzik how long to make it onto med? <laughs> Seven seasons. Six seasons, math, whatever. So (laughs) intelligence starts trying to put things together and they get a tip about a mystery bug sprayer at the South Fairfield Apartments. And so they also realize that it can't be Stuart Anderson because when the bug spraying was happening, Anderson was dying in his hospital bed because this was like the morning before that this was happening. And so they also realized that somebody was hacking Anderson's email and sending those messages. So Anderson was just a really unfortunate victim, but he wasn't, he didn't do this, basically. And so over in quarantine, poor Haley's just chilling out and she meets a young girl named Amanda and sweet little Amanda. She's just like 14 years old. You know, she's just, she's young. She's alone. She's alone. And they start talking, and Haley basically tells her about how Platt inspired her to become a cop, which is something we don't talk about enough. 
Well, cause didn't it happen in a deleted scene, technically? No, no. We found because and when Upton had first popped up, we found out because she had told her like at the end she was like, you know, there was a little girl that you helped, and that was me, and like you're the reason I'm here. But we never touched on it again. Or was it brought up again in a deleted scene? Why am I thinking it was you're, brought up in a deleted scene? You're thinking of the scene when Upton and. Uh, Ruzik were just just interacting the first time and basically Ruzik had punched that guy and Upton was like what do I do do I cover for him do I report him like what what the hell and so I think that's what you're thinking of is because that was a lead scene with Platt that's what I'm thinking of yeah yeah but we don't talk Uh, nearly enough about that like Haley's origin story no I also really love um the actress who played Amanda she looks so familiar do you know where she's from? Oh, God. Okay, don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's something you and I both watch, and, like, you're going to die when I tell you who it is. Oh, fuck. Okay, something that we both watch. Well, watched. It's not on anymore. Oh, my God. She's Drew's kid. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> the night shift. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brooke, is that what her was that her name on the show? Brianna. Brianna. Oh, oh my God. Yep, yep. Okay, I was like, why uh-huh. is she so familiar? Because she's Brianna. Oh, yep. Oh man. Yep. Night shift. R.I.P. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So anyway. Amanda's just like, why did you want to become a cop? Haley tells the story, and she just says she's like, I wanted to be like her. And Amanda just is like, like, yeah, now you are. And she's like, well, not even close, but I keep trying. Okay, she keeps trying. Why can't we have more Upton and Platt scenes? I need that in my life. I know. I. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I don't get it. We need that. Like, we need, you know, especially because we're always saying that, like, you know, we need more girl time with, like, the women of with Chicago and, like, women supporting women is important. Like, I need Upton and Platt. Like, need it. Yeah, like I really need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back at the apartment building, Will gets a message from Jay about the bug sprayer theory. And so, of course, right at this very moment is when Kev finds a bug sprayer in the furnace. What the fuck? Crazy. So, so crazy, right. And so Will just says, he's like, this is no outbreak. It's an act of terrorism. I feel like that's going to be like the iconic line from this crossover. It's just that this crossover is downright scary. Like, scary. And as mm-hmm. we got further into it, the more stressed out I felt. Like, I, I hit that point, like, in the middle of the Met episode, which is like, this is always how I know when, like, I'm watching good TV is when I have to stop and be like, okay, Gina, it's not real. It's not real. Like, snap out of it for a second. It's not real. And I had that moment in the middle of med. I was like, okay, just take a breather. It's not real. Everybody's okay. Like, you're good. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So as they end up finding out, the bacteria on the nozzle is the same one that's been spreading. So Will is correct. This is definitely an act of terrorism. Ooh. Ooh, so bad. Yeah. So now it's all about finding something to stop it. This is also when CDC lady starts to flirt with Will and like, lady, not now. Just now is not the time. There are way more pressing matters happening. Just stop. Whatever. Um, But I also love the whole idea of like, 
hey, look, there's this bacteria. And Will just spends the whole rest of the crossover like engineering an antibiotic to fight it. Yeah, I did like seeing that side of Will. I thought that was fun. It was good. Yeah, it was good. What else were you about to say? Because then I jumped in. I got excited. You were about to say something. No, you're good. I don't remember what I was going to say. So you're good. Okay. So yeah, CDC lady starts flirting with Will. And she's like, yeah, I had a crush on you in undergrad. And like, you know, whatever. Just now is so not the time. So not the time. And then at some point she just says, she's like, why are men so obtuse? She has a point there, though. No, but like, also, why are you using such big words? Like, you stop, stop. Again, not the time, not the time. Also, you're not Natalie. Like, can you not? We're just we have way more pressing issues happening. So yeah, can we not? Can we not? No, right. It's like right when we're making some progress with Manstead, which like we're not making progress, but like, shoo, go away, be gone. So. Voight talks to Goodwin and Dr. Charles and basically tells him, or they t- he tells them that they ne- he needs to talk to the apartment residents. But they're not on board because these people are quarantined, right? And so I think at one point, Dr. Charles is like, these people are like emotionally fragile. And Voight's like, just sedate them. Like, it's not that, not that simple. No, sorry. Well, then my favorite part was like Dr. Charles after that is like he's like i can't do he's like we can't do that that's be breaking the rules and it's like hello dr charles do you know where you work <laughs> yeah <laughs> roulette rules what what is that word <laughs> right it's like a required for you to break the rules to work at med yeah it's required like yeah they, they, that's what they measure when they interview you is your you know ability to break rules <sighs> mm-hmm. yeah and so they finally relent just because it's void and like you know he's terrifying but Upton ends up helping out from quarantine. She's able to kind of interview everybody. Also, there was a super small moment that, like, I felt. But, like, when, when Voight goes to see Haley and they fist bump through the plastic, I was like, oh, that's really sweet. No joke. One of my bosses, like, he fist bumps every morning to, like, say hi. And I'm, I, I just, like, was like, oh, like, that's sweet. Yeah, I love that scene. So sweet. And, you know, and who knew that Voight could be sweet like that? I feel like Upton's his favorite in some way, shape, and form. Like if he if he plays wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if he plays favorites, Upton is definitely his favorite. Why not surprise me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Doctor Charles ends up talking to Charlene again, and she actually comes in clutch with some info because I mean Doctor Charles is just a genius, and I feel like he can get the truth out of anybody. Um, but Charlene mentioned she's like he wasn't a real exterminator; like he didn't have a fan, just a little blue truck with a silver circle. Like it was so obvious. I'm like, all right, that's the first bit of sense that she started to make. Yeah. So the doctors from CCU, they end up coming to med to help them figure out a cure, quote, for the staff. And so director dude is like, "Mm, don't really know about this. Like, you know, this is expensive research. It's proprietary information. And Will's just like, dude, are you fucking kidding right now? Will's just like, he literally says, he's like, people are dying and you're worried about your bottom line. And then, like, he shuts up, which is great. So, yeah. unfortunately, back in quarantine, Dennis, our little firefighter-to-be, he ends up catching or contracting the bacteria. And so he ultimately loses his arm. Sad. Um, but also, like, totally disgusting in surgery how Dr. Marcel just kept going through, like, the dead tissue. Oh, so gross. So gross. Yeah, that was gross. This whole thing was so gross. 
But yeah, he ultimately loses his arm. And Dr. Marcel is like, if we learned anything about him in this crossover, he's very good with the patients. I, that was what I was going to say. I feel like, I mean, I was going to talk about it more with like the Amanda stuff, but like, I think I, I mean, not that I'm still like a hundred percent Dr. Marcel's biggest fan, but I, this was definitely like a good step in like a good step in the right direction because I feel like you definitely saw that he cares a lot about his patients. Yeah. He's, he's very nurturing, which I was surprised to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought he was really good on that part. Yeah. And so, you know, Dennis is just like, of course, distraught. And Dr. Marcel just sits there. He's like, okay, you're clearly a man with a lot of focus and determination. I'm certain you're going to find a place to put that triumph. Like he's very caring and like very nurturing. And so I did enjoy seeing that. Mm-hmm. And very positive too. Yeah. Yeah. And so April ends up like comforting him kind of. And she, I, I don't even remember what she says, but she basically like, she says something comforting and he just goes, you don't have to do that. And I don't remember what she says, but he just looks at her and he's like, live life lightly. Nurse Sexton, like live life lightly. I don't know what the hell that means. And it's also a tongue twister that you wouldn't think is a tongue twister, but cool. Um, Also Perry, like she messaged us and she, um, I don't know if she already shifts them, but she said that she could see something happening and she called them sex cell, which made me laugh so hard. Because all it makes me think of is an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. I feel like she's not the only one that I said, like, people were like, ooh, like, that's something I could be into. And I, like, did not see that at all. Like, any of the times I watched it. I feel like depending on what we learn about his background, they could be a good match. Because, like, again, I mean, he's he was very comforting and caring with the patients. April's the same way. So I wonder what in his background makes him that way. I don't know, but are we going to start a love triangle over here? Like, I could see it. I mean, I'm not saying that I want it, but I could see it. Interesting. I know. I know. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. It's too early, like, to imagine shipping Marcel with anybody. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. So outside the hospital. Goodwin is mad because the media keeps twisting her words and they're basically creating panic throughout Chicago. I about died when like the media was asking her something and she literally turned around and she was like, no, y'all been twisting my words anyway. I was like, get it, Goodwin. <laughs> like, she's mad. It's funny. I love her. So funny, yeah. And so she and Dr. Charles go to quarantine where Charlene is basically starting a riot. She's just kind of freaking the fuck out. And Dr. Charles is like, okay, calm down or I'm going to sedate you. Um, literally like an outbreak happens where people escape and all they do is just like barely move the plastic aside and like people are able to unzip themselves. It's really not a big deal at all. It's just as simple as like leaving a room. I'm like, is that really all it took? Mm-hmm. Also like got yeah. all of the security at med. <laughs> LOL. Literally the most unsafe hospital in the world. I'm telling you. But actually, though, so bad. Yeah. So later on, Kevin stops by and he's like, "Okay, listen, we were able to round up most of them, but there are a few that are still out there. And so Sharon's like, "Okay, well, if they're active carriers, they're putting themselves and the city at risk. Um, Another pairing that like is so cool to see together. Just the, the character combinations were just like, I mean, you know, they don't really mean anything, but it's still cool to be like, "Okay, they shared a scene together. That's cool. 
So like Goodwin and Atwater. Cool. Nice. So Yeah, I love it. Like I lo- I love that we saw so many different pairings. Like yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So so cool. So cool. So Haley's cultures come back. She's free of the infection. She's fine. She leaves. And it turns out Amanda's starting to feel the symptoms. Poor baby Amanda. And so it turns out they caught it early enough, so they're hopeful, but, you know, still. So Haley comes back from what she's doing to basically be by her side before she goes into surgery. And so back at the 21st, Burgess gets pod footage of the blue truck. And so she and Ruzik basically go to the rental place to check it out. Burzik is the best when they're together. It's just nice to see them together. Mm -hmm. It really is, though. It really is, though. They're just so good together and... Yeah. Have we figured out why Ruzik is looking so different this season? I think Patty's been working out more. I said that in episode one. I thought we just couldn't pinpoint why he was looking different. No, I said that in episode one. He was looking swole. And someone else said that on Twitter last night, too. I'm telling you. It's, yeah. It's true. I could definitely see that in one of the shirts he was wearing last night. I was like, damn. Oh, Patty got biceps. Jeez. Um. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, Berzik. So at this rental place, the guy working the desk is just, like, annoying. He's just basically giving them the runaround. I did laugh when uh, Burgess was like, what's up? And he's like, this guy. And then, like, long pause. And Burgess is just like, yeah, we're not in the mood for that today. <laughs> that was great. So they get the security yeah. footage. And Jay recognizes the guy at the desk. It is one of the guys from the CCU. You guys, the call is coming from inside the house. Bad. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Yes. So, meanwhile, elsewhere in Chicago, the internet has basically started a conspiracy theory about Mama Garcia because she's the sweet lady who runs the food truck at the very beginning of the episode. The internet starts some crazy theory about the Hacienda and that being what started the outbreak because it's so close to the apartment building and Mama Garcia was at the tailgate. And so Severi just looks at the TV and he's like, this is the kind of news that gets people killed. And so this was just so interesting to me because the statement they were making about the news, like I never really thought about that, about like, I've never really questioned like what percentage of the news is just them trying to be like fear mongers and what is actually news. Maybe I'm, like, too jaded because I live, like, where I live. But, like, that, uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. It doesn't surprise me at all because it's true. Yeah. Okay. So, that I mean, that's interesting, too, because I I never even thought of that. And, I I mean, watching this, I was like, what is Severi trying to say? Because I don't question the news as much as I probably should now that I think about it. I mean... Well, and this whole thing is interesting, too, because it, it reminds me of, I don't know how far it actually got, but it was, I mean, it was, like, no national coverage, so, like, I don't know. But back in 2016, right after the election, there was this whole kind of very similar conspiracy theory about a restaurant that I'd been to once or twice, and, I mean, I've gone to ever, I've gone to since then, that was, like, in the neighborhood, like, where I went to school, went to college, but it was basically about the idea that, like, there was, like, a sex traffic ring in the basement of this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was ended up being, like, a guy from, like, West Virginia. I think he was from West Virginia. But basically, like, drove to the restaurant and, like, pulled out a gun and, like, started shooting in the restaurant. Um, because of, you know, a conspiracy theory and something that was not true at all. Oh, my gosh. 
Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, wild. I can't think of any incidents that have happened based on like internet conspiracies, which is I that they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. And I'm sure there's one that's like prominent in the news that I'm, you know, when somebody brings it to my attention, I'm gonna be like, oh my God. Uh, so I think this whole section where they, they were talking about the news and like sp- the spreading of misinformation and paranoia and everything, that was kind of eye-opening to me because it, it just made me wonder like, wait a second, what am I not paying attention to that I should be paying attention to? I think I also, like I said, I I'm, I'm think it's me part being jaded. I also took an ethics in like journalism class in college. Mm-hmm. And so like to me, like I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like that, the, Like this stuff doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, you know, what what can we trust then? Can we trust anything from the news? I mean, yeah, but I also think, like, they, again, they care about profit. And so, like, I think they do the best to, like, report the news, but, like, they also then have to balance with, like, what's going to get them the most ratings and, therefore, like, what's going to turn them the most profit. Hmm. That's scary when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, like, just been having this conversation with a couple of friends, like, recently, just because, I mean, obviously, Monday was Columbus Day, and, like, I feel like it's kind of split now on Columbus Day. Like, you'll get, you know, there, there are people on Twitter who will basically be like, don't forget that Columbus was a terrible, despicable human being. And it just... Because he was. Yeah, exactly. And so it kind of sparked the conversation between me and a friend of mine about, like, okay, well, I mean, how do we know that we're being told the correct history like I don't know how how, how do we know that you know what they're telling us in school and what they're telling us like you know in movies and tv and everything how do we know that that's true and real because they definitely didn't teach us in elementary school that Columbus was a despicable horrible guy they just taught us that he he discovered America Mm -hmm. so like how do we discern the truth from lies that's hard it's it's a deep topic of conversation it's probably too deep for somebody who just got back from europe days ago me Mm -hmm. but i don't know i mean it just it sparked an interesting conversation so i don't know interesting but yeah so 51 gets called to a public disturbance at mama garcia's and casey like go ahead he, like, outright tackles a guy. I loved it. It was great. It was great. He got, like, a running start and, like, yeah. Yeah. Like a linebacker. Just, like, boom. So good. Also, somebody threw a Molotov cocktail. Like, geez. A little mm-hmm. extreme, dude. Yeah. So crazy. So, Dr. Selden is alone in the lab and he's destroying all of their work so far. The call's coming from inside the house. This is like that first scene in Scream when the guy's like, oh, God, ooh. So, Will comes in and Will's like, what the fuck are you doing? So, Selden just casually takes a microscope and hits Will over the head and leaves. Like, casual. Casual. Not, not the hair. Don't hurt the hair. <laughs> Don't oh. hurt the hair. That's funny. Don't hurt the hair. And also, it's it's sweet baby Will. Like, he's a puppy dog. Don't touch him. Just just stop. It's not nice. It's not cool. So, <laughs> while this is happening, Jay and Boyd are, like, speeding over to med because Jay's just like, well, fuck. Like, gotta get to this guy. So, Jay shows up, finds Will bleeding on the ground, and then CDC lady comes in. And so, we got, like, two really solid scenes of, like, worried Halstead brothers in this, this crossover. Like, hashtag blessed. It was good. 
actually, though. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Like, we got two solid moments of worried Halstead brothers. So, yeah, so Jay finds Will. Will gets up. Will's like, yeah, he totally, like, cold cocked me over the head. This guy is bad news. And so CDC lady's like, oh, my God, he would never do that. He's helping us. And Will's just like, again, lady, bleeding. Come on. Like, whatever. And so... Jay, like, wait, sends Jay to, like, run out and go do something. And before he can even do that, Jay just looks at Will. He's like, are you going to be okay? Okay, great. And then goes. Like, adorable. Just hashtag blessed. So small, but I will take it. I love it. Perfect. So Jay and Voight enact a cold silver, which basically means there's an active threat in the hospital. So it locks down the hospital long enough to keep Selden in the building. Um, You know what I loved is how... Haley and Natalie were like kind of they were watching Amanda's surgery basically and the minute that Haley saw that there was a cold silver she like interpreted it and Natalie was like so there's a cold silver and Haley just goes running she's like that means they have they've ID'd somebody he's here I gotta go I love that she like interpreted it and was like peace yeah that was cool that was cool that was cool so Rhina do you want to take back over yeah so basically they thought that they were hoping that the code silver would like keep locked down the hospital long enough to keep him in the building, but unfortunately it didn't because their his car leaves the garage. And so basically back at the twenty first, Platts put in as many boots on the ground as possible to look for Selden, and intelligence starts to put together a file on Selden, and what they find is like he's no criminal record and like up until this point it was basically like an upstanding citizen. Um, but he is in the middle of getting a divorce or is divorced, whatever. And so basically Haley and Jay roll up to Selden's ex-wife's house. And what was really cool about this is like, this is the scene we saw um, Tracy and Jesse film. Yeah. So that was really cool. That was so cool. So, so cool. Yeah. Um, And it was like, I didn't realize that was like a crossover scene, but like, it was really cool that it was a crossover scene. So like it was, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Basically they end up going into the basement and at her house and find this like massive bunker thing. That's like CIA level secure. It's like wild. That was crazy. Like, it's insane. Um, And basically, they have to call in squad to, like, yank it open. And basically, they find his wife in there with a gun. And she starts shooting. And then Jay goes all crazy. I mean, and Jay-like, but crazy. And was, like, yelling at her. And he's like, put the gun down or I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, was I was intense. most scared for Severide and Cruz just because I was like, they are not equipped for this. Like, please don't fire the gun in their direction. Please don't right. hurt them. Right. Let's not hurt them, please. Um, so basically, then we go back to med. Amanda keeps crashing after her surgery. Like, her surgery was successful, mm-hmm. but, like, she keeps crashing for, like, no real reason. Or, like, obviously some real reason, but they don't know what. Mm-hmm. And, like, they keep getting her back. And, like, Marcel's like, I want to know why. And he's like, this is where you, like, really start to see him care. He's like... I want to know why I want to figure, you know, if we have to run all these tests, then so be it. And he's like, I'm going to come check out on her every 20 minutes, which is like almost too often. I feel like, like that's I, a lot. I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah. I, I mean, maybe not too often, but like every 20 minutes, it's like a lot. I know nothing um, about medical stuff, so it's going to trust him. Yeah. But so basically they bring in Carrie, the ex-wife for questioning and she's not really budging at first. And Rusek's questioning her, and he's like, you and your ex-husband built a panic room, so, like, some of this must make sense to you. And she's like, yeah, for when an outbreak happened, not for when he caused one. And she basically ends up coming clean, saying that Selden told her, you know, he wasn't done yet and, like, still had more work to do. The stuff she was saying about, like, 
how there are some bacteria in the world that like given the right strain, the right time can take out the entire planet. And she was like, people just can't deal with that. I was like, Oh my God. Like to me, it seemed like she snapped. It didn't seem like she was like covering for him. Yeah. And so basically then they go on this like kind of wild goose chase. And so like they think they track Selden's phone to a gas station and Upton rolls up with these two patrol officers and like one sees something that looks like a guy holding a canister in a truck, but the guy's not responding when they tell him to like get out of the truck. And so the one patrol officer decides to shoot the window when the door does open. And it's like, dude, that was very much an overreaction. Yeah, probably the worst thing you could have done. Right. Because, like, as it turns out, it was just a guy who doesn't speak English, like, holding a can of soda. So, like, SMH. It, like, gets on my nerves. Definitely. Like, it was just kind of showing, like, the paranoia that spread. Right. Right. Which I get, but it was just like, oh. And so, again, like, he, the intelligent finally realizes that, like, Selden's deliberately creating these false leads by spreading his credit cards around. And it's like, dude, like, how many cell phones and credit cards does this guy actually have? Yeah, for real. I mean, yeah, that was kind of crazy. I was like, really? Like, you're opening that many credit cards to leave them on a goose chase? Yeah. So then Voight's like, okay, he's like, you know, we're not going to panic. You know, we're going to get ahead by working backwards and, like, creating a timeline of, like, the last six months. And so basically intelligence gets a tip that Selden had been paying cash for a work loft for the last month. Um, and they don't find Selden, but they do find his equipment and a map with the parade route circled. So they were like, Oh crap. Like he's going to hit the parade. And so then 51 is rolling up on the parade route because they're supposed to, and it's like a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this is the scene we saw them film that Sunday of con. And it's like, it was really cool to see it. Because we couldn't really see, you know, like, around the corner. We could just see, like, 51 roll up. But we couldn't see, like, the conversation between Sev and Casey and Bowden and Voight and Jay. We couldn't see them fill that. So it was, like, really cool to see, like, what they were actually doing over there the whole time. That was so cool. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever been on LaSalle. So, like, my only, like, experience on that street is just, like, it being deserted. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. And I mean, all, really- all we could really see were just the trucks. But I mean, occasionally you'd see the actors walk by, but it was it was just the coolest. It was so cool. I could watch them work all day. Like, it was really cool. Not everybody was happy about it either. Because when we were walking up, like we were basically there was one point where we were like waiting on the corner because the PA was like, okay, we'll wait, they're shooting something. And this guy was like, how long is this going to take? And I just wanted to look at him and be like, as long as it does, okay? They are shooting PD. Like, be respectful. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a busy part of Chicago. And they they shut it down on a Sunday morning. So it was crazy. But it was awesome. Yeah. So back at 21, they think they finally found a motive for Selden and, like, why he's possibly doing all this. So his funding for his research that was provided by BRT for the upcoming year was cut drastically back in June. And this woman named Lynn Messick, who lives in the apartment building, worked for a consulting firm that rehabbed BRT's budget right before the decision about his funding was made. And so then basically like Selden goes out on this mission to prove that his research was vital to people who didn't believe him. Oh, and of course like BRT is having a board meeting downtown that same day because like, of course, duh. Let's just think about this for a second. Like, This guy had researched this deadly disease. 
he was coming up with an antibody for it or an antibiotic. They denied his funding, so he just he spread the disease to like get back at them. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah, it's nuts. It it's nuts. I mean, yeah, no, it's nuts. It's nuts. But like, one of my favorite parts of this whole crossover is like when Fifty One pulls out to go meet um, Intelligence, like at the scene of the board meeting, and Herman's like this is it. Let's end this. It just like, it reminded me of something out of a movie, like the last kind of call for like the final act. Like, I don't know. Like I, it, it was like, yeah, yeah. it's like, a I don't know. It just, I, yeah, I, I loved it. It's like when he said that, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Like from my couch, like I'm right. pumped. Let's go. Right. Exactly. Um, and so Jay and Upton and Atwater are the first to arrive on scene. And basically they see a woman fall out of the window from like 10 stories high or whatever like casual oh my god can we just and wait, so wait, wait let's like let's back up one second because when Voight like tells them he's like okay we're gonna go first one on the scene like you know goes in but he basically says he's like okay there's deadly bacteria in here if you think you contracted it you know don't approach do this that it's a whole careful thing I was having flashbacks to the last crossover and literally I was like okay yeah Jay like none of this crazy shit from the last crossover not thinking it was going to end the way it ended yeah because basically Jay goes up to the boardroom and finds Selden holding Selden holding people hostage. And then, like, everyone else rolls up on the scene. So, like, Voight, Intelligence, Will, because <laughs> they found, like, a the not a cure, but a treatment for yeah. the bacteria. And so, basically, then, like, Will overhears on the radio that, like, Jay's inside with the guy and, like, starts freaking out and, like, ends up going up with Voight. It's, like, so cute. And Halstead Brothers and I... Loved it. It's so good. I love how um, Boyd's like, stay out of my way. Yeah. And so, you know, Selden's going on about, like, yes, I killed the few to save the many, blah, blah, blah. And Jay's, like, trying to be, like, a mediator. And he's, like, offers to help prove that Selden's right. And, like, Selden has him cut his arm. And I'm like, can we stop hurting Jay in crossovers now, please? And thank you. Oh, my God, right? And then basically he like is about to spray the bacteria on himself, but like Haley finally from like across the street or whatever, like sends off the warning shot that Voight told her to and like intelligence busts in. And then Voight ends up shooting Selden dead. Thank God. Um didn't know Haley had sniper skills. Yeah, when the, what? Like yeah. where was that been all our lives? When the hell did that when did she acquire those skills? I don't know. Uh, yeah it was amazing so basically intelligence and well and that's the crossover and so like intelligence heads out for the night um kev invited rojas out for drinks which i just i love uh-huh. like love it and like then rojas is like hey burgess and rusick like you want to come and they both decline you know saying like they both want to head home but then rusick asks kim if she wants to come with him and she says yes and they like link fingers and walk off together. Oh my god! Just like somebody posted the gif of that today, and just like etch that scene on my tombstone, please. Like, please. I think that there has been a big shift in Ruzik, and that I think he is finally ready and mature enough to get back together with her. I think the Antonio thing might have really changed him. Yeah, I just. I, I was talking about this earlier, you know, though, I'm curious to see what Marina thinks. And I'm curious to see how this actually plays out. 
Yeah, no, I, me too, me too. But I mean, if you think if if you think about, it, I think I think even the way Ruzik looks at her has changed. Like he's I don't, I don't know I he's it's like a, it's like a more grown up Ruzik in season seven so far, which like it doesn't sound right because I mean it's Ruzik, right? But it's it, I feel like the whole experience with the Antonio thing and the accusation and all that good stuff like hardened him, and I I think he's ready to be. Not to like parallel it to Still Ride, but I think he's ready to be the man that Kim needs him to be. Yeah, I'm just curious to see how like all of this plays out. Because mm-hmm. like right now it's just like okay, you know, like they didn't even kiss, but like I'll be curious to see like episode five and six and seven and eight, like you know, like yeah. see what comes next for them. Um, and then the episode just, I mean, the movie event ends with like a montage of a bunch of different shots with like a Sharon Goodwin voiceover over it. And I really liked the voiceover and it basically Goodwin says, you know, like fear is a funny thing. You know, some of the time it brings out the worst in people, but fear can also bring out the very best. And like we certainly saw that today, you know, love, loyalty, care, kindness, you know, the support, generosity, appreciation of all these people, you know, and for a certain few among us, you know, their support, generosity. Oh, yeah. For, you know, fear brings out something different. You know, the choice to be heroic, stand steady, hold on to each other, find a way to hold on to hope and lean on each other like family. And like while this is happening, you know, you see Amanda waking up and her grandmother being found because her grandmother's at her bed. And, you know, 51 did like a fill the boot thing for Mama Garcia. You see Stellar Eyed Kiss and Bowden reading to Terrence and then Voight has a nightcap. And then like Will and Jay have a drinks at some bar that's not Molly's. And they have, you know, it just kind of ends with like, you know, Jay's like, look at this man. And Will's like, what? And he's like, life. And then it like zooms out on a, in, a shot of Chicago. And that's the crossover. So good. It was so good. So, so good. So good. <sighs> I love our people so much. I just. This crossover to me, I like, you know, it's like. It's so groundbreaking, like, what, it's, like, truly groundbreaking, like, what this show is doing. Because, like, even, you know, like, there's, like, the big DC one that's happening on the CW in December. And it's, like, that's fine, but, like, it's five episodes. They're not, you know, they're airing in different time, different years even, too, technically. It's, mm-hmm. like, not all, all in one night. You know, they're jamming so many just, like, random-ass characters into this. Like, it's just different. Yeah. Like, this is, like, truly the what they do is, like, it's just so special. And, and with, so cool. with those and I'm five so glad shows, they, like, cover these shows. Yeah, yeah. And with those five shows in like the DC universe, it, it just kind of feels like it's five shows coming together. With this, it's like we know that they're all family. And yeah, they exist on three separate shows, but it's still just like one big family. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, obviously they go and they cross over every week, you know, like even in episode three, you know, it was like Haley was on med and Marina was on or Burgess was on fire. And, you know, like like it happens every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I think this crossover just really, you know, reminded me. It's like, oh, wow. Like what this what these shows do is like special and like historic. And it's really cool. Yeah. The best. So good. But yeah. So, any other notes on the crossover? No, I think that's it. We survived. We did survive. Yeah, I'm going to go, like, bathe in Purell now, like Chris said. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, as always, y'all, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything, meetusatmollys at gmail.com. 
if you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, especially if you're listening to this, because that means you've made it all the way to the end. Please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would really greatly appreciate that. It does help other shyhards find the show. So that's great. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? I am at Brenna K13. Uh, yeah, pretty normal schedule coming up unless anything crazy happens. And if it does, we'll just keep you posted. Uh, yeah, otherwise, that is about all we've got. Everybody have a good weekend. Make sure to wash your hands and, you know, don't spread germs. And <laughs> we will see you next week. Bye.